If you lived in a society where being happy and laughter were prohibited or were looked down upon, and I were to give you a funny joke, I tell you a funny joke and you felt like laughing, but then in that society, they told you laughter was not a good thing, would you take medication for that? I so hope you say no. The subject of this episode has to do with chemical imbalance, depression, and the medications that are given to us in large. When we find medication in our sewage, when we find medication in our plants, because they use sewage and basically all the scum from the sewage, the treated water, etc., to mix it into fertilizers, and now our plants have it, we have a problem. You're listening to Life and Health Matters with Dr. Shakib, and this is your host, Momak Shakib. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please forward them to me via email, drspodcastshow at gmail.com, and listen to this podcast episode because the numbers are absolutely disgusting. I am so turned off by what's happening in our society. Us as consumers of these medications, we need to be smarter than those who prescribe the medications as a solution to the problems that don't need meds. Stay tuned. All right. In the U.S., an estimated 17.3 million American adults experience at least one major depressive episode, and that's based on the stats in 2017. The highest rates were between the ages of 18 and 25 years of age. So many factors are not even calculated in. And is it actually okay to be depressed? Is it actually a diagnosis or is it a symptom? Is it a symptom of emotions or is it potentially a symptom of something, a manifestation of an internal organ or a system in your body that is malfunctioning as a result of overstress? Stress and anxiety are two symptoms that somehow have made it up to the list of diagnoses. Since when we have a symptom become a diagnosis, that's a whole different subject. Is there a scam in this bad negative feeling that all of a sudden everyone wants, I mean, no one wants to be unhappy. So are they being used to prescribe medication and make us become a lifetime consumer of these meds, that's for you to decide at the end of this podcast. In one 2013 study, it was found that 38.4% of participants with clinician-identified depression actually met the DSM-4 criteria for a major depressive episode. And only 14.3% of seniors 65 and older met the criteria. So that means in, in, in my 
life as a practicing healthcare provider. If I give a diagnosis based on a diagnosis is based on a certain criteria. If only 14% of the population that I give a specific diagnosis fit that criteria, that means I'm misdiagnosing. The DSM-4 is basically an equivalent to a psychiatric list of um, diagnoses. According to a 2017 study, one in six Americans between the ages of 18 and 85 were on psychiatric drugs. Psychiatric drugs means playing with your brain. Your brain is the controller of every single thing you do, every single thought you have, every single part of you is controlled by your brain and you're putting it on medication. How does that make you feel that the very system that has to make best decisions in every aspect of your being is now put on an external chemical factor? What's the impact of that on your brain? How does that manifest itself in who you become? Most of these drugs are antidepressants. 84.3% reported long-term use. That's three years or more. Out of 242 million U.S. adults, 12% were found to have filled one or more prescriptions of an antidepressant specifically, and that's as of 2013. It's increased quite a bit. With COVID and everything else, I mean, you're depressed because you're not uh, social or perhaps you're in a bad environment because your household is not a nurturing one or whatever the case may be. I promise you people are more medications than ever before. I don't have to promise you that. All you have to do is look it up. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of toddlers are also being medicated with powerful psychiatric drugs, raising serious ethical questions, along with questions about the future of mental and physical health of these children. I'm going to get into those numbers. I have no idea how that's even allowed. These antidepressants are highly addictive with side effects as bad as suicidal thoughts. I personally know three people Who's, uh, who basically committed suicide. I never knew anyone them who had done that. And these are all young adults and basically teenagers. So this is within the last six years. The whole effect is downplayed and ignored for decades and the prescription of these medications are continued. Professor Peter C. Gotzchi. It's G-O-T-Z-S-C-H-E, Gotzchi, is a Danish physician researcher and outspoken critique of the drug industry who's written a book called Deadly Medicines and Organized Crimes, How Big Pharma Has Corrupted Healthcare. He helped found the Cochrane Collaboration in 1993 and later launched the Nordic Cochrane Center. In 2018, he was expelled by the Cochrane Governing Board following the publication Critique of a Cochrane Review of the HPV Vaccine. 
I will do an episode on that separately, where he and his co-authors pointed out several mythological flaws and conflicts of interest. So he founded it. The board fired him because he spoke up. There are too many of these doctors out there, unfortunately. In a June 28, 2019, he wrote, psychiatrists, in quotation, by the way, psychiatrists routinely tell their patients that they are ill because they have a chemical imbalance in the brain and they will receive a drug that fixes this. Last summer, one of my researchers and I collected information about depression from 39 popular websites in 10 countries, and we found that 29, 74% websites attributed depression to a chemical imbalance or claimed that antidepressants could fix or correct the imbalance. It's never been possible to show that common mental disorders start with a chemical imbalance in the brain. The studies that have claimed this are all unreliable. A difference in dopamine levels, for example, between patients with schizophrenia and healthy people cannot tell us anything about what started the psychosis. If a lion attacks us, we get terribly frightened and produce stress hormones, but this does not prove that it was the stress hormone that made us scared. People with psychosis have often suffered traumatic experiences in the past, so we should see these traumas as contributing casual factors, I'm sorry, causal factors, and not reduce suffering to some biochemical imbalance that, if it exists at all, is more likely to be the result of psychosis rather than its cause. The myth about chemical imbalance is very harmful. It makes people believe there is something seriously wrong with them, and sometimes they're even told that it is hereditary. The result of this is that patients continue to take harmful drugs year after year, perhaps even for the entire, entirety of their lives. They fear what would happen if they stopped, particularly when the psychiatrists have told them that their situation is like patients with diabetes needing insulin. Quotation closed. That's why it's called clinical depression. That means based on the symptoms. There is no test that they do to determine if someone is depressed. If you're sad, that's the definition of depression. No one likes to be sad. But what are you doing about it with medication? Nothing other than addiction. According to Gottschi, there is, and I'm probably, I, I try to not butcher his name, but I think I'm still, I listen to him saying it, but I can't say it the way he says it. So Gottschi is what I'm saying. There is no known mental health issue that is caused by an imbalance of brain chemicals. In many cases, the true cause is unknown, but very often it's a response to unhealthy living conditions. In the book, Anxiety, the Inside Story, How Biological Psychiatry Got It Wrong, Dr. Neil McLaren wrote that. He said that anxiety is a major factor in and trigger of most psychiatric disorders. He goes on to say no drug can help them live better lives. It's never been shown in placebo-controlled trials that a psychiatric drug can improve people's lives. I'm going to get into this, by the way, later on, 
as to how these studies are being published to skew the result. He goes on to say, for example, help them return to work, improve their social relationships, or improve or performance at school or prevent crime or delinquency. The drugs worsen people's lives, at least in the long run. Quotation closed. Gotchi points out that antipsychotics, the name is a misnomer. They're tranquilizers, calming the patient down, which doesn't actually help them heal the underlying trauma that in many cases is what triggered the psychosis in the first place. Investigative journalist Robert Whitaker in 2017 writes how the economy of influence driving the use of antidepressant drugs in psychiatric treatment and how mental disorders were initially categorized according to a disease model in 1980 by the American Psychiatric Association. Whitaker really gets into the corruption within the APA, American Psychiatric Association, in his book, Psychiatry Under the Influence, on how the false story told to the public about drugs that fixed chemical imbalances in the brain. This was in the 1980s. Or how there are biased designs of clinical trials to achieve a predetermined result, how spinning results, they've spin the spun the results to support preconceived conclusions, hiding poor long-term outcomes, expanding diagnostic categories for the purpose of commercial gain, and creating clinical trial guidelines that promote drug use. The name of the book, once again, is called, let me see, Economy of Influence and Psychiatry Under the Influence. That's the name of the book. In Whitaker's 2017 scrutiny of a published American Journal of Psychiatric publication, he concluded that there is ample evidence showing antipsychotic drugs worsen outcomes over the long term in those diagnosed with psychotic disorders like schizophrenia, for example. How five of the eight researchers that he looked into um, um, that uh, listed on the review had financial ties to drug companies. Three were speakers for multiple drug companies and how all eight were psychiatrists, which he referred to it as guilt interest. That's their profession that they're basically looking into. And they're showing if one of their treatments is harmful over the long term. The review ignored studies showing how antipsychotics negatively impact the brain volume, how they're addictive, and what the long-term effects are. In a 2019 review of Gottschi and colleagues, he found that, in quotation, harms of SSRI. SSRI are a ser selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. How... SSRI persists after end of drug intake. He reviewed 22 papers on 12 SSRI trials and found how only two of the 12 trials had a dropout rate below 20%. That means more than 20% of people basically dropped out. Outcome reporting was less thorough during uh, follow-up 
for long-term assessment versus during the intervention period. So while they were doing it, they were paying closer attention to keeping the, the information down correctly and thoroughly than with the follow-up. And only two trials maintained the blind during the follow-up, meaning, uh, you know, blind studies. So the group doesn't know or knows if they're taking the placebo or not. Interestingly enough, all of the 22 papers came to the conclusion that the drugs were not beneficial in long term. <laughs> Maybe they were not taking thorough notes because they already were seeing the results. Who knows? Gottschi states that antidepressant drugs do not have relevant effects on depression. They increase the risk of suicide and violence, and they make it more difficult for patients to live normal lives. They should therefore be avoided. He goes on to say, we have been fooled by the drug industry, corrupt doctors and industry on industry payroll, and by our drug regulators. Surely many patients and doctors believe the pills are helpful, but they cannot know this because people tend to become much better with time even if they're not treated. This is why we need placebo-controlled trials to find out what the drugs do to people. Unfortunately, virtually all trials are flawed, exaggerate the benefits of the drugs, and underestimate their harms, quotation closed. Well, when the studies are being supported by the drug company, seriously, why wouldn't they be flawed? That's the whole scam, in my opinion. When FDA is to scrutinize the efficacy of a research and to make a decision if it's safe for the general public or not, and then FDA is supported by those same industries. When FDA is fully aware of off-labeling, meaning a drug is approved for one thing but is being used for something else, and it still allows it, what do you expect? I mean, what is corruption? How is that we are okay with that? How is it that you're listening to what I'm reading and it's fully supported? This is out there. Use the internet to your advantage. Do research to understand. If you were to live in a world with no medication, how would you live it? We are using drugs for things that we shouldn't be. This country is number one in acute care. That means trauma. That means um, you're in a bad accident and your body parts are severed or whatever. They, it's things like that. We're number one and we're below, I think probably by now we're probably 42 or 43 on the list of healthiest nations in the world. While we spend the most amount of money on healthcare in this country, how is that okay? If it was working, we'd see better results. So if it just doesn't add up, and yet we're so medicated probably to even see it, or we don't care enough because we're overworked to even pay attention to things that matter. Antidepressants tend to be far more addictive than officially admitted. No one talks about it. Gotchi claims that virtually all patients in the trials are already on a drug similar to the one being tested against placebo. So when the placebo group is basically off the addicted drugs, they feel abstinence symptoms. So even, so let me, let me tell you something. When we're doing a test, we're not getting fully healthy people with no symptoms, comparing them to the ones that, let's say in this case, are, uh, they have 
depression. They're getting all depressed people. Half of them are taking the tested medication. The other half are not. But that means they were on something before. And now they're on no medication. So when you go off any drug, there is that the, the abstinent symptoms that they go through. So even the placebo group is biased. <laughs> what a scam. It's just... Oh. Over the years, several studies on the dependence and withdrawal reactions associated with SSRI and other psychiatric drugs have been published, including the following... In a 2011 paper in the journal Addiction, Gachi and his team looked at the difference between dependence and withdrawal reactions by comparing benzodiazepine and SSRI. So benzodiazepines are things like Xanax, Lithium, I'm sorry, Librium, Valium, Paxipam, Ativan, Clonopin. Those are the ones that are, we already know, they have already admitted that this thing is highly addictive. And yet they're being prescribed. I know people who are on these. I, I know them. And they are, then they are comparing them with SSRIs. And they're saying that it's not addictive. So Gottsch's team found that discontinuation symptoms for benzodiazepines and SSRIs they basically compare them, and they're very similar for 37 of 42 identified symptoms prescri- described and found that it took years before drug regulators finally acknowledged the reality of benzodiazepine dependence and SSRI withdrawal reactions and began informing prescribers and patients about these risks. So imagine the amount of money they're making And if there was a penalty, I bet you anything, the profit was more than the fine. Drug agencies rely on spontaneous reporting of adverse effects, which leads to underestimation and delayed information about the problems. In conclusion, they state that given the experience with benzodiazepine, we believe the regulatory bodies should have required studies from the manufacturers that could have eluded the dependence potential of SSRI before marketing authorizations was granted. Quotation closed. In 2019 paper in the Epidemiology and Psychiatric Sciences Journal, quotation in quotation, it took almost two decades after the SSRIs entered the market for the first systematic review to be published. Quotation closed. It points out the reviews claiming withdrawal effects to be mild, brief in duration, and rare. This was basically at odds with the sparse but growing evidence base, in quotation. In reality, what the scientific literature reveals is in close agreement with the thousands of service user testimonials available online in large forums that suggest that withdrawal reactions are quite common that they may last from a few days to several months or even longer, and that they are often severe, quotation closed. 
I personally know this person. This was this person telling me was uh, broke up with her boyfriend, was sad about it after she was put on Paxil. She uh, took the medication and she thought, okay, well, I'm over the guy. I'm going to stop taking this. And she said that it was a Friday. And so she, she ran out of it on Thursday. She didn't refill. On Friday, she said she she felt like she wanted to kill someone. She was she just wanted to come out of her skin. She was just feeling extremely abnormal. She went to the um, uh, pharmacy and said, "Hey, you know, this is a situation. My doctor's office is closed. I'm going to go there on first thing on Monday morning. Can you please give me something over the weekend?" It was just horrible. They would not give it to her because she was on. She didn't have a prescription. Anyway, so I can't remember if she she was given three or she wasn't given three pills. I can't remember. I certainly hope three pills is not going to kill anyone. Anyway, that's when she realized how addicted she was. And she was furious because she was never told that she would be addicted. Antidepressants increase your risk of suicide and violence. We already know this. Listen to this. On June 4th article of Dr. Gottschi, uh, he stresses the fact that antidepressants can be lethal. In one of his studies published in 2016, he found antidepressants double the occurrence of events that can lead to suicide and violence in healthy adult volunteers. Other research has shown they increase aggression in children and adolescents by a factor of two to three, an important finding considering the many school shootings where the killers were on depression pills. In middle-aged women with stressed urinary incontinence, the selective serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, SNRI, doloxetine, which is also used to treat incontinence, has been shown to double the risk of psychotic episode and increase the risk of violence and suicide four to five times, leading the authors to conclude that harms outweigh the benefits. I've described the dirty tricks and scientific dishonesty involved when drug companies and leading psychiatrists try convincing us that these drugs protect against suicide and other forms of violence, Dr. Gottsy says. He goes on to say, even the FDA was forced to give it when it admitted in 2007, at least indirectly, that depression pills can cause suicide and madness at any age. 2007. Guys, this is 2021, and they're still prescribing these things. Just wait till I, I get to the end of this report, and you'll be disgusted at how many pills are being given to kids, toddlers. There is no doubt that the massive use of depression pills is harmful. In all countries where this relationship has been examined, the sharp rise in disability pensions due to psychiatric disorders has coincided with the rise of psychiatric drug usage, and depression pills are those which are used the most by far. This is not what one would expect if the drugs were helpful. Quotation closed. So talking about Paxil, there was a, that's GlaxoSmithKline GSK, who is the maker of Paxil. He was, they were sued majorly 
um, over the death of someone that took it after six days committed suicide. The, in the whole discovery and trying to basically win the lawsuit, they found, the lawyers found that Galaxo, in their own clinical placebo-controlled trials, they actually showed that Paxil had nearly nine times the risk of attempting or committing suicide than the placebo group. They misrepresented the data, even showing a higher number of suicide attempts in this placebo group and deleting some of the suicide attempts in the drug group. That's because our lives don't matter. No lives matter. What matters is power. It's beyond money. It's power. It's what you can do with that money to gain more power. And guess what? We are allowing them to gain that power. We are the ones, we the consumers are the ones that are consuming. We are giving ourselves our well-being, our future, our health, the relationships we have with ourselves and with our loved ones, our life. We're allowing them to have them all. The Citizens, oh my gosh, listen to this. The Citizens Commission on Human Rights is a mental health watchdog group. It showed in 2017, I'm sorry, 2013. Listen, listen to these numbers. 274,000 babies aged one and younger. That means 12 months, so from the time they're born until 12 months of age, were given psychiatric drugs. Of these, 249,699 were on anti-anxiety meds like Xanax. 26,406 were on antidepressants like Prozac or Paxil. 1,422 were on ADHD drugs such as Ritalin and Adderall, and 654 were on antipsychotics such as Risperidol and Ziprexa. These are babies between the ages of newborn to one. In toddler category, ages two to three years, 318,997 were on anti-anxiety drugs, 46,102 were on antidepressants, 10,000 were prescribed ADHD drugs, and 33,760 were on antipsychotics. Among children age 5 and younger, 1,080,000 1,168 were on psychiatric drugs. How in the hell were they given these medications? How is that okay? Oh my gosh. Are you guys okay with that? There are parents that are consenting to these and probably these poor kids are coming with a very, very traumatic life that they're probably in the system. They're probably being medicated just to be controlled. You're playing with the brain. If you're on medication 
psychiatric medication, you really need to discuss this with your prescribing med- uh, doctor because you should not be going off of them like you're deciding to cut the carb out of your diet. What's going on with these children? When it comes to the psychiatric drugs used to treat ADHD, these are referred to as kitty cocaine for a reason. Kitty cocaine, Ritalin, is a methylphenidate. Adderall is an amphetamine, and Concerta are all considered by the federal government as Schedule II drugs. Schedule II is the most addictive drugs. ADHD drugs also have serious side effects like agitation, mania, aggressive and hostile behavior, seizures, hallucinations, and even sudden death, according to the National Institute of Health. As far as antipsychotics and anti-anxiety drugs and antidepressants, the FDA and international drug regulatory agencies cite side effects, including but not limited to psychosis, mania, suicidal ideation, heart attacks, stroke, diabetes, and even sudden deaths. According to studyfinds.org, off-label medication prescription makes it even worse. That means that, for instance, a doctor recommending antidepressant medication for ADHD symptoms. How would a one-day-old to a one-year-old express their feelings to be put on anti-anxiety medication, on antidepressants like Prozac and Paxil, on Redlin and Adderall, on psychotics, antipsychotics like Ziprexa and Dispiridol. How is that okay that children under the age of five, five and under, we have 1,080,168 children under the age of five. This is as of 2013. I bet you anything the numbers are higher. We are drug addicts. This society is a society of drug addicts. We don't look into the cause of things. We just, I guess, worry about it later. Only when you don't look at it now, later comes with the price because the feelings are still there and now you are addicted. And now you're at the mercy of the side effects of the withdrawal. Come on, people. Let's help ourselves. Let's find out what's going on. Once again, if you are on medication, psychiatric medication, You should not, by any means, go off of it yourself. Talk to your doctor, express your feeling, and see what's out there. If there was, we lived in a world with no medication for these things, what would we do? There are herbs that people take that's not much better either. So you got to understand, you don't need to inject yourself with something or intake something to solve your problem. It's a combination of multiple things. 
You are so worth it. This episode really made me so sad over these numbers that I saw, especially with children. These are voiceless people. They are at the mercy of the adult's decision. Please be wiser. Please take care of yourself. Once again, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please forward them to me via email drspodcastshow at gmail.com. And until next time, take care.